everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coco and Dalts. We're real people bringing you real reviews of all the latest streaming series and movies on Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, HBO Max, Disney Plus. Am I missing anything? No. No. Okay. Awesome. I'm not Dalts. And I'm not Coco. And not Coco. What are we reviewing for listener today? It's called Nail Bomber manhunt what yes it's a one-off documentary on netflix and it's about a nail bomber (laughs) could you care to elaborate see this is why you do the summaries (laughs) (laughs) it's on netflix as a documentary so the year was 1999 april 1999 and something was amiss and there were three bombs and people were injured, and three people were killed. And now there's a lot of story behind that. And this is what that documentary is about. How was that? Sure. Yeah. So it goes into great detail. An hour and change, this uh, Netflix documentary. It's like 82 minutes or something, yeah. right? Yeah. It was pretty very, lean. very digestible and actually unusual in this time of 19-part docu-series. <laughs> more is more. More, more is awful sometimes. Um, and it actually felt to me like it was not short. And I mean that in a good way. It felt like it was in-depth. It felt like it was there was a lot of coverage there. There was a lot of good reporting there. So essentially what happens is this, it opens with this guy that you think might be the Nail Bomber. Because, of course, you're watching a show called Nail Bomber Manhunt. So you're thinking they're interviewing the Nail Bomber. But actually they're not. They're interviewing a guy who infiltrated some sort of neo-Nazi group in... Did I mention it was in London? I don't think he did. Okay, so this was in London in 1999. And uh, it starts off really creatively done because it looked to me like it was an animated beginning. And actually, it was just really creatively lit. And this guy who's all in shadows is talking about it. And then he helps he walk us through this story in terms of what he was thinking and what he was trying to do. And he was trying to find the bad guy who actually was the nail bomber. Um, and he takes us all the way through the story toward the end, really. And it's a story a little bit about him, but it's also weaved with uh, the uh, the communities that these um, uh, bombs were uh, exploded in and the, the racism and the homophobia and things like that. So it's it was really well done in terms of placing it for us. And they talked to a lot of the people who were involved and that sort of thing. Um, Coco, what do you want to add to this? Because you're looking at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. I don't think... <laughs> Or it's maybe that's just the way you look at me all the time. And maybe I just I noticed just have, like resting. You're an idiot face. Like maybe that's <laughs> that could be. So what can you add to my glossary, my glorious, my fabulous summary? I, I don't think anything. I think you covered it. I think you nailed it. Oh, so tell us what you think. Tell listener what you, me and listener, what you thought. So I, because we um, have not rehearsed this. We, <laughs> I know it's hard to tell. We don't rehearse anything, which <laughs> listener will know because listener has been with us from the beginning. Thanks, listener. Thanks, listener. Um, I actually, so I fell asleep a few times oh, during really? this. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought it was just my company, but it was actually the documentary. Which for being like just an, over an hour is probably not good. Although I'm really tired this week for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not the documentary. You so, and our dog. So I did miss parts of it. I 
didn't think it was as comprehensive as you apparently seem to oh, think it was. Okay. Um, I did enjoy the interviews with Arthur, mm-hmm. the pseudonymous, I assume, member of the uh, infiltrated member of the far white far right group. Mm-hmm. Um, far white works also as far, well. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that works uh, as well. He, you know, I did enjoy the interviews with him, mm-hmm. but. They didn't really talk about the copping very much at all, like what the police were doing to find it. Like they did, they did have some interviews with a one of the ladies who was um, on, I guess, the police task force at the time, and Mm -hmm. they were leaning heavily on CCTV footage to try to find this guy, but they didn't talk about anything else. And I understand, like maybe they don't want to give away all their cop secrets, but this is a case that's. 20 plus years old at this point mm-hmm. so i think you could probably go into depth and say yeah we had the cctv which sucked because it was blurry but then we also got an anonymous tip because netflix did a docu-series back in i believe november about the yorkshire ripper a serial killer in northern england mm-hmm. and they had all sorts of interviews with cops there and they went into like we followed these leads and these are the leads that the cops didn't fall uh, follow so i feel like there could have been more done in terms of this was what the investigation the official investigation was doing and mm-hmm. this is how it was bungled because mm-hmm. they they didn't really talk to the cops. They talked to people who were pissed off mm-hmm. about the cops not doing enough and the cops denying at first that maybe it was tied to racism. But then all of a sudden, after the third bomb, it's like, oh, yeah. And Arthur came forward and said, I think it might be this guy, Dave from Barking. And it turns out it's Dave from Barking. And mm-hmm. then case solved and the end. So I don't know if that was a conscious effort on the filmmaker's part to keep the focus on like the victims Mm -hmm. and not do the official, like not talk to the cops and not try to get an interview with the actual bomber himself. Like, I don't even think they went into Dave from barking is still in prison. And like, they did say that like he got six life sentences and he's never going to come out, but Mm -hmm. they didn't say he's still in prison and he's been denied parole three times or like, Oh, he died of cancer in 2019 or whatever. Like they didn't do any of that. So, but they did have a lot of interviews with people who were at the bomb sites who were injured, who did lose limbs and stuff. So, I mean, that's good that you hear from them. You hear their perspective, you hear what it was like, but it, it, it felt incomplete to me. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe they could have added some of that time on because they did have some time to work with. Exactly. I mean, they could have, stretched it out to like two hours Mm -hmm. and done more of like the official investigation. So, yeah, you know, I'm glad we talked about this because now you've provided new insight into this documentary. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit, but now I have not, uh, I've now reeled that back and I do not enjoy it. (gasps) Oh, don't. (laughs) No, actually, I'm just kidding. I did. I did enjoy it, but that's a huge hole. I thought that the cop, the female cop who was involved provided that perspective to me. Um, the other part of that is that a lot of these documentaries we see seems to really dwell on the bungling of the investigation. Well, that's because a lot of investigations are really bungled. Yeah. We're, we're coming to find out. I, I think we're finding that out. But are we finding that out because it's true or because that's just the easy angle to play? I mean, these things are not easy to to investigate in a lot of ways. Like the the way that they got into depth on the closed circuit and they were trying to find this somebody carrying a bag. 
mm-hmm. and somebody who you know in one section of CCTV has a bag and then maybe in another section of CCTV does not have a bag so you can imagine how that looks in 1999 where right. things are not really digitalized I mean they were they were digitized in a certain way but in a very rudimentary way in those days it was state-of-the-art for the time oh, of course but yeah. you know for today it's horrible and yeah. even for the time it was not great and right. she she even said we sent it to the Americans we sent it to yeah. like the Germans we tried to get anybody to help us clean this face up because it was so blurry and nobody could so you can imagine that's a real nail uh, nail in the haystack Mer. no um, <laughs> that's a real needle in the haystack and trying to find that certain person that common person and I will say that the guy who ended up being the nail bomber, he kind of, he stood out because he wore this white ball cap. Like, how many ball caps are there in London? I, I don't know. I mean, do a lot of people wear ball caps in anywhere in the United States? Well, according to the Eurovision Song Contest movie, like, the Americans in Edinburgh are walking around in, like, Stussy hats and, like, Stanford sweatshirts and looking for Starbucks, so... That's a good reference, you know, and that's yeah, probably very accurate, yeah, totally. actually. Yeah, <laughs> There's a Starbucks at every corner. <laughs> that was the best part of that movie, for real. Other yeah. than the Yaya yeah, yeah, Ding Dong. Oh yeah. But we uh, we digress in a serious serious way here. <laughs> I uh, but I agree. But I, I still think that you know it's easy. It seems easy to blame the investigators in a lot of these. And I'm not siding with anybody here. I'm not victim blaming or anything like that. But it's just that's a really hard job to do. Um, however. There are, like any other profession, and I think that we forget about this in some ways, that in the medical profession, in the you know the political profession, in the investigative profession, there are people who are bad at their jobs. Right. They're incompetent people. Like I think sometimes we think, oh, he's a doctor. He knows what he's doing. He's like, no, maybe he's, maybe he's a bad doctor. Mm-hmm. Maybe he graduated at the bottom of his class. So there's a lot of that at play here in a lot of these documentaries. I think it's a common denominator. But also you have in these cases, these are really sensational cases. Like these are the most extreme cases. You're like a nail bomber in London? I mean, they had bombings. A lot of them were politically motivated. Um, but they don't really have that kind of, as they said in the documentary, it's like we never had anything like this before. So it's kind of hard to investigate these things when you don't know what you're investigating. Sure. What, what, do, you, what do you think? <laughs> Did you want to say more than that? Or? No. Huh. All right. Keep going. Okay. No, that's all I had to add, really. That's all you had? Yeah. Okay. I'm, tr- I'm really trying to justify the fact that I missed completely that they didn't have the investigator side <laughs> of the story. <laughs> so you totally outsmarted me on that one. So that. overall, what do you think, Coco? Like, you're are you recommending it? Or do we want to get to our 26 letters yet? Or I mean, it was... It, I hate... To, once again, I hate to say it's interesting because people lost their lives. People lost limbs. You know, it's a traumatic thing to go to, even if you really don't get injured, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it was it was interesting because I don't remember this at no, all. I'm I. sure I heard of it at the time because, like you said, nail bombs in London. Mm-hmm. And this is after the Good Friday, you know, agreement that, mm-hmm. you know, caused the IRA ceasefire and stuff. So bombings weren't really a thing anymore at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived in London when the IRA was bombing stuff and it was low level fear, but it was still always there. Like I always got in the last car on the tube because I figured if the IRA planted a bomb in a tube tunnel, the cars that went over at first would get like the most blowback. So yeah, so I was always in the last car because I figured that wouldn't get 
Was that something that they told you when you were living there? That was just me, me being smart, thinking like, hey, I want to mitigate damage from a bomb. With your ball cap on backwards (laughs) and your surfer shorts? I mean, I went to London School of Economics, so I got something going on upstairs. Oh. So. (laughs) I. Yes, you do, actually. You say as you look down my shirt. So, so I. It was interesting because I I lived in London in the 90s. And even though I left before April of 99, I went back in June or July of 99. And Mm -hmm. I have zero recollection of hearing about this at all. So it was really interesting to see the footage. I mean, the footage is horrific. Oh, it's awful. Um, But it's it's awful in a a way that is respectful. So there's bloody victims and things like that. But it's not... You know, you don't see limbs blown off, right. but you do see closed circuit TV yeah. explosions. Right. And the interviews with Arthur were really interesting. Like, he came right out and he's like, yeah, even though I knew these people are, like, insane, you get ex- I'm going to, like, two or three meetings a week. You get exposed to that stuff enough, you start to believe it. Yeah. He's like, I started to think that the Holocaust really didn't happen and that I shouldn't, you know, watch BBC News or mm-hmm. CNN or whatever because they're all, you know... They're all hiding stuff and, you know, we know the truth. So I actually kind of wish that, like, maybe even though this would, you know, you don't want to go down rabbit holes, so to speak, but it could have been interesting to have, like, some, like, a psychologist come in and talk about, like, cult mindset and Mm -hmm. how cults, like, recruit people and Mm -hmm. stuff. So that would have been... That would have been interesting as well. But then, then you're going off onto all these different tangents when you really just want to keep the focus on these incidents and how this guy was caught so well and there's so many tangents you could have gone on with this too because you talk about class class is such a huge thing in the uk Mm -hmm. and this was a lot about class this was about unemployment this was about blaming immigrants for your lack of employment and Mm -hmm. and then the rise of skinheads and i mean mean, brexit was just five years ago people so yeah (laughs) this was just this in 99 was just a it was a real cauldron of events. And so the fact that these bombings took place in largely minority uh, housing uh, areas of, of uh, London and also in the gay community, there was kind of the feeling that the cops were burying this and not really mm-hmm. paying attention to it. So the fact that you were there afterward and didn't hear much about it, that plays right into it because there wasn't a lot of attention. Whereas meanwhile, nail bomber in London. I mean, why are we not talking about this today? Right. Yeah. When I was there, uh, I believe that was the year that Man U was going for the treble. So that was all anybody was talking about was, I, I believe that was the correct year. Oh, let me, football. Oh, whoops. Let me, uh, let me look that up. I was going to say something, but I forgot what it was. So, so you want me to like, so keep going, sing or something like that while you look this up? Yeah, sure. But I, I thought that there was a lot of that kind of thing in there. And there are a lot of rabbit holes that they could have gone down with the class stuff, with the racism. You know, there's really a lot of racism in, uh, in this part of the uh, story. So I thought that that was part of it as well. I remember what I was going to say. Um, so if you want to hear more about the Brixton riots... Um, Brixton is the area that the first nail bomb went off in. Um, it's been, from what I understand, fairly gentrified lately, but back in like the eighties and nineties, it was definitely a rough area. Mm -hmm. Like I was told if you're on the tube and you accidentally get off at Brixton station, just walk across the platform and get back on the next train and get the hell out of there. Cause it was not an area you wanted to find yourself in. Mm. Um, there were riots in Brixton in, I believe, 81. And I had heard of the Brixton riots, but all I knew about them were 
they were riots in Brixton. I didn't know anything about the context, any, mm-hmm. anything about what happened. So if you're interested in hearing about that history, because this documentary does talk about that a little bit, um, the Guardian's podcast, Today in Focus, uh, at some point in the past month or two, so in April or May of 2021, they did either one or two episodes talking about the Brixton riots. And they really did a deep dive mm-hmm. on the issues with the community and the issues with policing and how everything just sort of exploded. And it was really, really interesting. So I would highly recommend going back in their feed um, and finding that. That's a podcast. It's called Today in Focus. Okay. Good recommendation. You're recommending other podcasts to people. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Man U Trouble was in 98, So I was right. There we so, go. So yeah. So sport over yeah. race and police incompetence, I guess. Yeah. Even even the cabbies were just like, I don't like Man U, but the treble would be cool, so I'm rooting for him. So what is what was it like when you were there around this time in terms of the attitude towards the police? Oh, I... The community attitude. I don't remember anything at all about that. Because like, in this documentary, it seemed like they were very white and very proper and very English and mm-hmm. didn't really seem to dive into this very much. And... So I, that's an outside perspective, and that's the perspective that I'm gleaning from this documentary. So I wasn't sure if that was actually the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, dude. I, yeah, I didn't hear anything about copping when I was there. So, so 26 letters. What's your grade? Mm, I don't know. That's a toughie. I'd give it maybe like a C. Would you? C yeah. plus. Yeah. I uh, I was going to give it a, a 9 out of 10 before you You were not. You don't give anything a 9 out of 10. It would have to be like actual cookies physically being thrown out of the screen and landing in your open mouth for you to give something a grade that high. Wow, listener. <laughs> Please send your cars and letters to cocoandults at gmail.com. Yeah. When she went off there. I would say probably a six and a half. Seven, maybe, in that, that ballpark. I think seven is the highest grade you've ever given anything. Really? Yeah. See, you keep track of these. Do you have like a chart or a graph? I should. I'm going to make like an Excel sheet. I don't know how to use Excel, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to make an Excel sheet and I'm going to track everything. You could just, you. what you could do is you could just, you know, like when kids are grown up and they draw lines on the side of the oh, yeah. door, uh-huh. you could just do that for grades for, yeah, you know, totally. when maybe when you're sitting on the toilet or something like that, you just <laughs> write on the wall. <laughs> Like my poor friend Steve, who was told to like <laughs> zoom into a meeting when he's sitting on the toilet, and he's just like, "Bro, I can't. I'm on the toilet." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "No, I really can't do that right now." That's when you need one of those <laughs> fake backgrounds, Zoom backgrounds. Right, it's like you got the Rome Coliseum behind you, or something like that, <laughs> or maybe like the poo emoji. <laughs> like I told you, I couldn't zoom in now. Like Come on, the, man. One of those old. Uh, Water closet things with the, you know, like with the handle dangling down from the oh, tank. Oh, like in uh, The Godfather when they met at the restaurant and they hid the gun. Like in, <laughs> right. in the, yeah, that would be awesome. See, we've got this all figured out. Oh, yeah. This is how much we like this documentary. We are now talking about <laughs> zooming into meetings, sitting on your toilet. So uh, well, I think. I spent yesterday, I spent 10 hours on Zoom. So I think I have a good perspective on this. One of these days I'm going to do a Zoom background that's probably going to get me fired. <laughs> <laughs> or what I could do is I could actually have you walk naked behind me and just say that that's actually a Zoom background. Oh, then you would get fired because no. they'd be like, oh, my eyes, <laughs> my corneas have been seared. Like, oh, look no, at that sea cow. They'd be like, like oh, oh when, why are you Zooming from the Playboy Club in <laughs> Chicago? <laughs> no. 
Not at all. All right. So uh, I don't think we recommend this one, listener, but I liked it more than Coco did. Yeah. And it's only an hour and 12. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it, for as little time as they spent on it, they could have spent more and had a more comprehensive documentary. And that's just me. So thanks for joining us, listener. We enjoy uh, you joining us and we appreciate something i don't know you stopping by if you want to let us know what you thought of today's episode if you want to let us know what you want to hear us talk about in the future mm-hmm. please drop us a line at like adults said coco and adults at gmail.com you can also follow us on facebook and twitter at coco and adults and stop by coco and donate 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 <laughs> hit that donate button hit that support the podcast button and we'll send you unconditional love Daltz is working on some Coco and Daltz merch so that might be available in the near future we got some swag listener let me tell you we do it's pretty sweet alright for another episode of the podcast I'm not Coco and I'm not Daltz